This morning's scripture reading is John chapter 11, verses 1 through 27, and that can be found in the Pubeck Bible in front of you on page 897. 897, John 11, 1 through 27. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who, believes, who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Pastor Orion. Welcome to King's Cross Church. It's good to be with you. I thought I'd share a couple reflections as we prepare today. One was just this morning as we're getting ready for service, we had some teammates um, have some sick kids, and, and so uh, we were shorthanded immediately. And I was just thinking this morning, watching everyone serve, how thankful I am for that. This isn't really a plug to serve, just like an observation as 
we were going about our morning and I was just thinking like how fun it is, like how much of a blessing it is to serve with you and to see so many people um, serve our body, not just like out of compulsion, but because you love to do it. And there's a joy in it and there's a ownership that folks take in it. And it was just really precious to me this morning um, to see that and to see like so many people doing that and jumping in. And uh, so I'm super thankful for that. Um, and then, you know, I was sitting here and I was thinking about God's sovereignty and, you know, that's coming into view in this, this whole chapter. And, uh, and then I was, I was sitting here and I was watching uh, the rhythm guitar just go blank. You know, I don't know if some of y'all caught that, but I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know, should I go up there and help him? There's a cable missing. I don't know what's wrong, you know? And then like probably because of daylight savings time and congratulations, you've navigated that well this morning. Um, like, like some light came in this um, window over here and I don't know if you saw me, but I was like a Smurf. Like I was just lit up blue. I was like, wow, like people are gonna think I'm really holy or weird this morning. And that's when the epiphany hit me. It was like, hey, God knew sovereignly that we just needed more lead guitar this morning. That's what, you needed more lead guitar this morning. You didn't know it, but you got it. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Um, I, I traveled to Raleigh, North Carolina to assess um, some church planters this week and then on to Richmond, Virginia to visit Grimke Seminary where Pastor Brian Key um, left and went to be a professor there. And I, that's all I call him these days is professor. And where Howard Pinate will graduate this spring, Lord willing, right brother? All right. And I could tell you about that trip in a lot of ways. I could tell you, hey, it was a great trip. We were able to minister to people, see some friends, it was awesome. I could tell you that, and in fact, I've said that, something similar to that this morning a few times. Or I could take a little bit more time and break that up into some parts so that you'd understand what it was like to travel there and back and the many flights that I took and the many people that I sat next to and talked to and um, all that it took to, to, to do the trip. And I can tell you about the actual uh, assessors conference where we assessed two church planters, um, one of which was really broken down from years of service and we were able to minister and speak and encourage and strengthen a brother and his wife and another that's young and eager and just stepping into the calling and, and we were able to do the same for him and God just showed up on our team of assessors and, and we just, it was just amazing to see the gifts that God had placed in that room operating in this most beautiful way. And I was at times sort of just sitting back a little bit like I was this morning and watching God do this beautiful thing. And uh, so I'm really thankful for that. Or I could tell you about leaving there and riding three hours in the truck with Pastor Doug Logan, which is in itself an experience. Um, he loves to just torture me. And so I could tell you about how that was and how beautiful it was to spend the night with Brian and his family and hug and love them. And then to see Richmond, Virginia in the morning and the work that Grimke Seminary. There's a lot of ways that I could tell that story um, this week. And, 
And this text this morning that we've heard is a little bit like that. This chapter itself is like that. Now, I love sometimes preaching a whole chapter. You know this. Like, I love to preach a whole chapter because at 30,000 feet, sometimes a chapter is so beautiful at that view. And then we go down in and we mine out the gold nuggets of it. And that's a sermon. Sometimes we do that here. But, but this week, this chapter, chapter 11, I don't want to do that to it. I don't want to fly through it. I want to slow down. We want to do it in a few sermons. We want to, because there's so much here that if we just jump to the, you know, Lazarus in the, at the end of the story, then we're going to lose so much of the beauty that God has for us here. So we're going to slow down a bit. We're going to work through chapter 11 and we're going to um, see all that God has for us this morning. That's what we want to do. Of the four gospels, this book is the most theological. It's full of profound truth, propositional truth. It's full of absolute truth. Like John's very clear as he writes about Christ and, and the history of Christ on earth. But as we come to chapter 11, we come to a narrative of something that happens. And it's an account of a miracle, and it takes up the whole chapter, a long chapter. And, and, and so it's, it's beauty and it's um, approachability. It's historically just sort of looked at as these, these two phases of, the, of theology coming together with humanity. John J.C. Ryle says this, for grandeur and simplicity, for pathos and solemnity, Nothing was ever written like it. It's a pretty amazing statement from this guy, Ryle, who's saying that the chapter is super packed with things that will wow us and things that will draw us into a reverent response to God. Things that are just super fantastic and things that will just really cause us deep reverence and spirituality in Christ. It is the account of the miracle of Christ raising Lazarus from the dead. And while the story is familiar to us in its detail, it's so rich. John's purpose, we know by now in this chapter, in this book, is to present Jesus Christ so that you might believe. That believing you might have life in his name. And so there's an apologetic here for us to believe again in Jesus Christ. There's, an there's this evangelistic purpose that by believing in Christ, you will live an eternal life with Christ. And so we come to this, this story. It is the last public miracle. It's John's exclamation point on his gospel. It's not found in another. And it's, it's, it, there's another miracle that happens in the garden when Jesus heals the ear. But this is the last one in public. This is the, the big exclamation point, the public final miracle. And today we're going to hear the narrative of this miracle. And we're going to hopefully feel very close to Jesus. Feel very close to him in his sorrow and in his relationship with these folks. You should feel that. You should feel the closeness of Christ. And you should see invading the richness of his miraculousness, his otherness, his holiness. You should feel 
both of those things as God's word strengthens us today. So let's jump in, but let me pray before we do that. Father in heaven, we, um, we come to your word today, and Lord, unlike last week, we approach your word today hearing more of an unfamiliar story, at least not repetitive. It's the only one like it in all of scripture, and I think our temptation in this hour is not to get carried away with an overblown sense of faith. Our temptation is to listen with half hearts to that which is hard to believe. To let our attention wander to the gap between our faith and a faith that resurrects dead men. We feel that gap today. And and God, as we feel that gap today and the next few weeks, I know your point is to not cause shame or condemnation or even disappointment in your people. I know your plan is to strengthen our faith. And so God, I ask that you would do that now. Surprise every person under the sound of my voice with what you can do through your word in our lives. Do it for the same reason that you raised Lazarus for your glory. We pray in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Verse one says this. It says, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and sister and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the who, the where, and the what are fairly clear in the setup of the chapter. It's Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Mary's brother, or the sister's brother. And this is a family that's from Bethany. Not Mary, Jesus's mom. Not Mary James's mom, not Mary Magdalene or the other Mary, right? There's a lot of Marys, and so it's none of them. The place here is that we see in the Gospels is Bethany. That's where they're at. And Bethany's a village that's fairly important to Jesus's life. It's two miles outside of Jerusalem. It's on the road to Jericho, and it's at the Mount of Olives, and it's where Uh, You find Simon the leper who lived and and Mark 14 and then Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They also lived here. And Bethany is like Jesus's Judean home. He, He didn't prefer to stay in Jerusalem. Like when he was in Jerusalem, this is where he hung out. This is where he stayed. And so it's also the place that we see later in Luke 24 that that the ascension happens It reads like this in Luke 24. He led them out until they were over against Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. So fairly important place. Like he was here all the time. And so we see um, his relationship, his orientation towards Bethany until this people group is, is there. It's funny too that Uh, in verse two that it mentions that this is Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment because that hadn't even happened yet, right? It doesn't even happen until the next chapter, but John wanted us to really know who these folks were. It goes on in verse three to say, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. 
It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, right? Like that, that reads weird. I don't know about you, but the, Lazarus and Jesus, they're friends, right? Like they're, they're friends. They're really tight. And he's friends with Mary and he's friends with Martha. And I, I think we don't want to miss that this morning, that they're friends who love each other very much. These aren't just sort of like people that Jesus has met once, right? Like the text mentions their love, multiple times already we barely got started in the story and we see this this love this relationship that exists and and the sisters say lord whom the one whom you love is ill i bet john was like hey what about me i thought i was the disciple that that you love but like there's something between this group of four people like we i don't want to read too much into it and make up stuff that's not in scripture right but you can get the sense that this is his judean home this is a small village and there is love between these people love closeness familiarity that's the sense that we need to put on today because of what happens next and what happens is verse 6 look at verse 6 look at the first word so That word for too long has been forgotten as preachers preached and as people have read this scripture. That means therefore, that's what that word means. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. He gets the news of this illness that leads to death. The prognosis is everyone who gets this sickness dies. Jesus, the man you love so much, he's going to die if you don't come. If you don't come, he's going to die. And it pronounces their love again in verse 5. And it says, so, therefore, therefore, because Jesus loves this family so much, he's not going to go. Not yet. That should rub up against your theology a little bit. That should rub up against your definition of God's love a little bit today. Because he could go. It was an easy thing for Jesus to go. It was an easy thing for Jesus to not go to open his mouth and heal him from afar. All of these things could have happened right here, but it says so, therefore he did not go. When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. It's important to see that Jesus does not accept the expectations of some kind of ordinary response of what was happening, and he didn't because of his power and his purpose in this moment. He didn't because of his power and his purpose. He doesn't accept the normal things of this world, the normal news, the normal report. He doesn't accept it because of his power that he possesses and the purpose that he possesses from his father. He doesn't do that. He, and he isn't saying like, I, re, I rebuke that prognosis because anyone with faith never gets sick, right? There's this junk theology that exists mainly in Western cultures that that says that if I rebuke and I just don't accept it and I just, I can manifest a, he, a healing formulaically, right? Like there's this, there's this real sort of evil theology that says, you know what, if you just have enough faith, you're, you wouldn't get sick. 
or, 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 or a, a kind of theology that sits in, in hospital rooms and tells um, surviving spouses that if they had enough faith, their dying spouse wouldn't die. Like that, that's not what Jesus is doing here. That's, that's not what we're seeing. In fact, we're seeing more of the opposite of, of that. We're seeing the opposite of that. Let's look at Jesus's words in verse four. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. It's the opposite side of the equation. Rather than having a theology that's built on ideas about faith and healing, right? We're, we're, we get to see the divine purpose in our lives and in our suffering and in our pain and in our sickness and even, even at times in death. We want to believe in faith that God sometimes heals people for his glory and we want to be in, in place to be part of that story. We want that. We want that for our own lives and that sometimes God doesn't give us the healing that we want and that too is for his glory. And you might say, hey, well, what about the devil? Doesn't he come to, to kill and to steal and to destroy? It's like, yes, but all things pass through God's hands. And Luther, I think it was that said, hey, he's the devil, but he's God's devil. Like that's the reality that, that our whole lives in Christ are part of God's sovereign plan. And there are times where things like this happen for God's glory, for his glory. And in God's love, in God's love. The disciples get scared in verse eight. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Like, they're the, I think by now you'd think that the disciples would be like, hey, Jesus, they want to kill us, and we're really scared of that. Like, every time we go somewhere with you, people are trying to pick up stones, and like, like that's, that's kind of what happens. And, but they're, they, instead of lecturing Jesus, you'd think they would be like, we're really scared right now. What, what should we do? You know, and, uh, and this just shows that even people really close to Jesus miss, miss things a lot, right? Like, that's what it shows. That belief in Jesus and, and, and succumbing to Christ's ways is just not natural to us. It's not. Even the guys that lived with him and have seen all of the miracles that we've experienced are at the precipice of this final one. Like They still miss it all the time. Every day. They miss it. They miss it. It's encouraging that Jesus didn't just like give up on him. <laughs> and he's not giving up on us. And then in verse nine, Jesus answers them in their scaredness and their fear. And he, he says this sort of confusing thing. He says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And it's kind of a confusing thing that he says back to him, but he's like, he's comparing this, um, it, it's, it's sort of a, a figure of speech. He's comparing the day and the night, right? Like then this time they understood this. You walked at night, you couldn't see. Right now we have streetlights everywhere we go, it seems, right? Like we, we have those purple. Now that they're purple, we hate that, but the, we have them, you know, we have them. And, and so he's just saying, hey, like to put it succinctly, the light is the truth, 
It's the way of truth, right? He's, Jesus is saying, I have a fixed time during which to work that has been appointed by my father. And during that time, I feel no danger. I walk in his light, even as a traveler of the light. I love the courage and steadfastness of Christ. Like, I, I don't know if they were absorbing it mentally, but I just help, can't help but think that in this time, like they're absorbing his steadfastness, his perseverance, like his, his just grit. And, and, and I think maybe later as the spirit of God fills them and they become full believers in who he is, that they benefited from this moment where Jesus is like, I have a time appointed to me. And during that time, I do not fear what man will do to me. It's beautiful. He's steadfast. He's driven. His eye is on the mark. He's there to glorify God and to make him known. After saying these things, he said to them, he sort of clears it up a little bit as he, as he begins to teach. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. <laughs> some, of, some of their stuff is just hard not to laugh. You know, it's like, hey, if he's asleep, like he'll get up, he'll be fine. Jesus is like, no, I'm, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus, Lazarus has died. Lazarus has died. The one he loves, the brother of two women he cherishes, and he is placed in this gospel for eternity. Mary and Martha will forever be to us one of the most significant accounts of God's grace in scripture. And he, he loved them. That one, that one. That one that if he would have heard the news and walked down to Bethany, could have healed instantly. That one had died. That one had died and he had died. He's not just sleeping. I love that there's this narrative that seems a little bit playful that's kind of playing out, right? And, and, and I think it's there so that we won't get confused and we won't minimize the fact that Lazarus dies and he stays dead. For days, days and days, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. He's looking at his disciples. He's like, hey, I'm glad for you that you're going to get to see something that's getting, getting ready to happen. So Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Like Thomas is just, he's not there yet, right? He's, we, we see later, he's just not there yet. He's, he's lagging behind the rest of them. He's just saying stuff. It's like, he, he didn't know what to say. He's just, he's just there for the ride. <clears throat> Let us also go that we may die with him. For your sake, for your sake, for your sake, for my sake. Like Lazarus dies Jesus doesn't go for your sake, not just for the disciples' sake, not just for Bethany's sake, for your sake, so that we could experience this today. Lazarus did die, and Jesus let him die 
And he did it for his glory and for you and I to believe and see and know something more about God today. That's what happened. Verse 17, we get to see the beauty of someone else's faith. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. I love how Mary is just so cool. Like, right, a couple times we've seen her, she's just always in chill mode. So Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Hey, Martha, for, for all the, the hits she takes, she's got great theology, right? Like she's got good theology. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Their, their conversation here has shifted, right? Just a little bit out of what we would think. Like, I believe that God's given me a measure of faith. I'm gonna actually come get a drink here. <clears throat> don't, don't freak out, Julian. I'm coming straight at you, brother. I believe that God has given me a measure of faith. Now, there is the kind of faith that God gives all Christians. He gives it to you, he gives it to me. To believe. He gives us faith that opens our eyes, that washes our heart, that allows us to see the beauty of Christ. And we're all given that, all of us. If you believe in Jesus, you've been given this measure of faith. And then there's another kind of faith. There's a, there's a gift that's a spiritual gift that God gives, that he gives in a certain measure. And he gives this special gift. You can look at 1 Corinthians 12 if you want as a special endowment to accomplish great things, great things. So he, you know, a person with faith, if you're around that type of a person, they just sort of believe when they're praying that God can heal people emotionally and spiritually. You, you, you can believe like more easily that God could heal people physically or that God could provide for a certain need. Like people have that sort of measure of faith and I feel like I have a good amount of that, though not as much as many people with that gift. And I, I can believe that God can do anything. Like I really can. Now, I've never prayed to raise the dead. I've thought about it a lot. I've thought about it a lot. Um, Martha's view of Jesus is so faith-filled. She believes that to be in the presence of Christ is to be alive. That's what she believes. That's what we just witnessed. She believes that to be in the presence of Jesus is to be alive. She's like, if you were here, he'd be alive. But her theology meets her faith to say that like, even now, anything that you say, God will hear you. Like her faith is strong, her theology is strong, and I'm like wowed by it. And so like when we get to the next chapter, don't think so lowly of Martha, all right? Like she's got some problems, so do you. Like, but here we have a beautiful exposition of theology from this woman that Jesus loves. Jesus said to her, 
your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Like she's got her eschatology right. She even knows what her end time stuff looks like, right? And he responds, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? which we, we shouldn't read passages like that and not ask ourselves, do I believe that? Is my faith really meeting my theology in who Christ is? That, that I can see through life's circumstances, isn't this a weird conversation to have on a road somewhere? Right, like that, that through life's circumstances, my faith and my theology are coming together in the person of Christ. And Jesus is like, do you, do you believe? Do you believe that I have come as the Messiah to live this perfect life? Do you believe that I am he who's laying down his life? He asks her that and she says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, it should be all of our responses this morning. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Now, I don't know that she had everything figured out yet. I don't know if she knew exactly what that meant, but she believed that he is the historic Messiah that's coming into the world. She believed that he's the son of God who he proclaimed to be making himself equal to God. She believed in that who is coming into the world to what? Save the world and provide the eternal kingdom of God for the whole world. She knew that and she believed in that. And Jesus says, hey, your brother's gonna rise again, Martha. She's like, I know that he'll rise again on the last day. And you, like, Jesus is like, no. <laughs> no, I, I, want you, I, want to, I want you to see that, like, I am the resurrection life. It, it's, it's, it's what happens here is they're having a conversation and then all of a sudden we get transported to, like, another tomb where Jesus is having a resurrection power conversation with her. Right, like th this, this case, this issue, this, this dying of his friend Lazarus is being displayed for all of his disciples, for all of Mary and Martha and Bethany and Jerusalem and all of us to, 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 to then be transported to the empty tomb of Christ and to see him as risen, as resurrected, as the sovereign God. Who, be, who lays his life down for the sins of the world. Like that's what we get to do in this story. We get transported, like eschatologically speaking, we get transported to that moment and we get transported to the end of our time. We get transported to the end of your time on earth where, where your life is poured out on this earth and you will meet Christ in person, right? Like that's what we get to see. And it's the belief that Martha confesses in this moment, it's her faith, it's, it's her belief in him, the Christ, the son of God, that means that she will see him eternally one day. You see, it's so unfortunate that, that, that you're gonna see, I'm not giving away Howard's sermon next week, that Lazarus is risen from the dead because he has to die again. Right? Like that's unfortunate. But the, the, the main point of this is for us to see 
the resurrecting power of Christ. The resurrecting power of Christ. Not, not just some things about healing. Piper says it this way. What does it mean to believe the glory of God revealed? It means to be satisfied with the glory of God. So glory is revealed through Lazarus's death and being raised. The glory of God is revealed as a demonstration of love because to be loved is to see more of God, even through pain. And believe and belief is the receiving and the experience of that revelation of the glory of God as your treasure. The Gospel of John is written for this, isn't it? The th these things are written so that you may believe. These things are written so that you may see the glory of the Son of God. The glory of God revealed. I receive it through faith and that faith is the experience of the glory of God as my supreme treasure, which is better than life itself. So we see the glory of God and think of the glory of God as God's public demonstration of his divine attributes. Think of that. So God is making public through his love and through some human pain and suffering more of himself to us to be treasured and received. That's what we're witnessing. The constant invitation of Jesus we see in verse 26 is everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's the constant invitation. And the question is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus is saying this to a woman that he loves deeply while her brother is recently deceased. God's love is always addressing the right topics with us. Even when we want a more obvious conversation with God, Jesus has the words we need. He has the wisdom that we most need, even when we don't know that we need it. God's love doesn't always protect us from suffering. It sometimes allows it into our lives in order that we would see more of the glory of God. That is the truth. That is the truth of God's word to you. That is, that is ultimate reality this morning for us. God's love sometimes seems late to us. We are doubting and we are wondering and we're wondering, hey, where are you? Where are you, God? And yet God's always right on time and it's never too late for Jesus. It's never too late for him to show up, to do what Jesus does, to provide hope and to show us his glory. God's love for us and his glory produce both joy and suffering in our lives. And they are meant to detach our hands from the things of this world and attach them to himself. That's what we see this morning in this text is a demonstration of his power and his resurrection life to us. And so don't miss that today. Don't miss as we, as we read this testimony, our pain and our healing do not separate us from the love of Jesus. It's why we stop to imagine a bit what it was like to be Lazarus and these, these women who Jesus loved. He loves them fully. 
and, he, and it does not separate us from the glory of God. In pain, in sickness, God loves us. In our healing and in our health, God loves us. In both, he is working to bring us to a more full understanding of who he is and to produce in us his glory for his namesake. As he's being lifted up in this gospel, like we see that, but we see the reflection back to our lives. So, so this morning, the, the invitation is not just to believe in Christ, but to believe in his closeness and his love in the midst of our pain and suffering. And that he's producing a unique and peculiar kind of glory in us, even when we like don't see it. And that he did ascend into heaven in this same place and now sits at the right hand of the father and he intercedes for you. And you are in him and he is in you. He's no longer miles away and distance away from us. He's actually indwelling us with the same power that raises Lazarus and that he is raised from the dead. You possess resurrection life if your answer to the question of do you believe this is yes. Amen. That is beautiful good news to you this morning and to me. To anyone who's suffering or who is ill or who um, has somebody who is ill in your life right now, that is good news. That, you, that your focus is, is on God's love and his glory in the midst of that. And my prayer for you today is that you would experience that. That as we come to the table of the Lord's Supper and we, and we partake of the broken bread that represents his body and the juice, his shed blood for the forgiveness of sins, that you, would, that you would believe in Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, that you believe in his resurrection power for you. That's my hope. Would you stand with me? Father, we ask this morning that, that even, as, um, even as you did with Lazarus and you brought him back to life and as you, um, as you gave hope and encouragement as you gave your very presence to these faithful women. Lord, I pray that you do that today to your church here. God, would you encourage us by how much you love us? Like how near you are to us in our pain and in our suffering? Would you encourage us in that? And would you encourage us in who you are and what you've done? That you're like, you're near and you're close and yet you're powerful and you're sovereign and you do what you do for your eternal kingdom. And God, we wanna be a part of that. Like we wanna be in sync with how the kingdom is advancing on this earth. Like we wanna be a part of that and God, so help us where we struggle with what to believe, God, and help us in belief itself, God, would you, would you strengthen that faith in us today? God, would you haunt us a bit with how you are present in the tough things in our life this week? 
and how you are able to turn anything to your glory. We pray for that redemption, that kind of power. So stir us up, help us to think of Martha, how much she loved you and how she ran to meet you. Lord, we pray that we would do that this week also. In Jesus' name, amen.